1: I've only got nine minutes.
2: That's fine. We'll, we'll do a we'll do a very quick one as a, as a teaser. Teaser to talking to Martin about health, <laughs> health, health and digital transformation. Yeah. So tell your story again from from the beginning. Okay, so digital
1: transformation in health. One of the things that you always have to remember is the NHS is set up for universal access at the point of care delivery. And sometimes people's thoughts around digital transformation in health get in the way of that. So as an example, my wife went into our GP surgery six months ago and was standing at the desk. And there was a lady who was probably, she said, in her 80s, talking to the receptionist, trying to book a report, uh, an appointment. And the receptionist said back to her, you can't book an appointment with me. You need to go on to clinic in order to book the appointment so the lady said what's clinic well it's an online system how do i get online well you need a smartphone clearly this lady was not a person who was particularly a digital native um and within one fell swoop you kind of opened up some of the issues around the digitization of healthcare in that, yeah, you can make some services available for people who uh, are able to consume and use those services and feel very comfortable doing it. But on the other side, what you can't do is marginalize or exclude people who struggle to use those, those services. So you have to maintain that view that we are going to give Universal access to healthcare at the point of care delivery for all—that has to be the, the 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 true north in any digital transformation. You have to have a consistent level of of service for for people, no matter what their circumstances are.
2: Yeah, you got to meet them where they are and go through the channel where they are. In some respects, what they're comfortable with and some or capable of.
1: Yeah, and some and sometimes you can think about different ways of achieving that so when I was in housing for example and we knew that rolling out new digital digital portals for some of the residents was going to be challenging for them and especially in South Asian communities where English may have been a second language may not have had cell phone access but also you know some of the the, the other issues to do with digital poverty and that exclusion from being able to get the best rates or whatever it is. We took the decision to, to provide mobile training in a state for those people to try and get people trained on how to use a laptop, how to access services, and then work with other organizations such as BT and Microsoft at the time to provide access to low-cost devices to get people mm-hmm. online. And then also at that point in time, getting low-cost broadband. So you do have to think about this from an, from an end-to-end perspective in terms of when you are providing services to a community, how do you make sure that that community is gonna use and consume those services? And if they're not digitally savvy, Still, how are you gonna provide those those services? You need to think about, about things in a slightly different way.
2: Yeah, no, he I mean yeah, we've been fascinated. Um so we've joined our local surgery now since we've been back. And they have the app, they have the website, they have all these things you got to get you online. But but every time you want to do something, you have to go back into the surgery, fill in a whole lot of paperwork, show a proof of council tax, your passport, all the all the rest of it. And as I was the point of being digital, everything is still paper based, and then you can't use the online booking system to book a GP appointment. You have to phone install because what they do is is they use the online booking system and only allocate people that have phoned in the opportunity to book an online appointment. So it's 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 madness, absolute madness. Well, yeah,
1: yeah, and you you also so I did. I I had to order this morning from my GP service some. A repeat prescription or or a prescription yeah. for severe hay fever. And the solution that they've gone for is so counterintuitive, it's beggars belief. So I'm presented with a, a calendar that says please type in the dates you are not av- dates and times you are not available. And you have to do this in one hour slots for the next month. <laughs> and the thing that really irritates me is my guess is that that was thought of a really good idea by the team that were doing the implementation but they never actually used it themselves because had they used once they would have got intensely frustrated with it and realized actually that is not making things really easy and simple for the patient in terms of how to book so the other way around much simpler Tell us when you are going to be available over the next four weeks. Much much simpler. Yeah. So, yeah. so there isn't there isn't and and this isn't the fault of healthcare professionals because healthcare professionals were never you know, designed to be a business owners and b e- experts in digital transformation. But feedback the feedback loops are not. Not always great. And the other aspect in terms of what you've just talked about is data in healthcare is really, really fragmented. And there are mm. companies that are, are trying to address that and making a lot of money out of it by orchestrating health data around local geographies. Yeah. Uh, but the danger in that is overpresenting data because when you're a clinician, the thing that you need is data relevant to the treatment that the patient needs that's in front of you. You don't need the history that, you know, when that patient who's now 70 was six years old, they had, they broke their arm. You need to know data that's relevant in, in that moment. And so that's also a challenge in terms of filtering that data for clinical relevance. So really interesting challenges ahead, but I think once it's once it's nailed, the prospects yep. to become a true data driven healthcare system and unlock all of the benefits that that
2: entails are, are going to be immense. I agree. I mean, if you think about just just having—I know you need to run—the um, the ability to to use pattern recognition and and wearables and feed that into your 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 different appointments you have in context it'll be amazing if it works
1: well yeah well so there's there's a lot at at the moment we we tend to think about the healthcare system is is broken is underfunded there are not enough people to meet the demand of the system but actually i think you need to break that down and have a look and say how much of the demand that happens from patients is a result of failure demand and how much of it is actual, I've got a new problem that needs sorting as opposed to mm-hmm. I've had a problem and I've been to you three times before and it's still not being fixed. And I think what's what will be really interesting as we get into those data driven services that will really help reduce failure demand, we'll see not only improvements in patient outcomes, but also additional uh, clinical recovery terms of being able to meet capacity needs
2: yeah yeah no agreed agreed well uh, anyway i've to got a, i've got a jump yeah super well, well we'll schedule a proper call when you uh for a couple of weeks from now whatever
1: yeah that'd be good all right take you easy right well.
0: thank you for listening to today's episode heather Bicknell is our producer and editor thank you heather for your hard work on this episode Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter, at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.